Welcome to the Help for Wounded Spirits. This podcast exists to reach those wounded and suffering through life's trials. And now your hosts, Dr. Doug Carriger and Mrs. Stephanie Wesco. Great to be back with you, folks. We think it's so cool to be able, you know, sometimes, Stephanie, I don't, I don't think I learned how to speak properly when I was in elementary school or something, because once in a while, my tongue kind of gets in the way. And I think it's, I think there's a couple reasons for it. One is I didn't learn to speak quite properly. And two is, I think my tongue is a little bit too big for my mouth. I'm just being upfront with it. I've noticed that lately. Debbie used to babysit for this little girl. And it was back during a phase where I was really getting into the Native Americans. I really appreciate them, respect them, love them. And, uh, but anyway, we're all, there was a Native American teacher that was in my son's uh, Christian school. And so jokingly, everybody was given Indian nicknames to kids. And kids were really embracing learning about the uh, Native Americans and, and all these different uh-huh. things. And it was a wonderful study. Well, at the same time, you know, I can't deal with process stuff like Native American nicknames and stuff like that. Debbie was babysitting for this little girl and this little girl couldn't shut her mouth her tongue was so big and so Aww. so I gave her the nickname of tongue too big but anyway <laughs> yeah, it, was a, it was a terrible thing but anyway to make a long story short you can look her up Debbie and I did she's all grown this was uh, I mean Daniel was just a couple of years old Daniel's 28 in a few weeks uh, so clearly I mean it's uh uh, it's been many years, but such a funny thing. So anyway, folks, we changed up this segment. If this is your first time and you're catching on with us for years, we had a segment about you might be a knucklehead. Literally, we can say years, Stephanie. Isn't that a weird thing? But uh, It's very weird. And then and then the other thing was we changed from that, trying to be on a positive note. This was about a year ago. Pastor Crockett came on, my pastor, uh, my brother in Christ, came on, and he he thought we should go down the you know, the happy route, the positive route, which man, he preached a couple of good messages yesterday, man. Praise God. Chinese pastor preached last night. But anyway, uh, we ended up transitioning to the point where we want to say something about a characteristic of PTSD. Every time we come on air today, I want to use a word that certainly something, if you read Stephanie's book, if you read any of mine, we talk about guilt. Guilt is a real thing, man. And, uh, if you're suffering from guilt, it's not God's plan for your life. God reminds us in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yet, Stephanie, over and over again, uh, over and over again, it seems like we get caught up in guilt. You know, we we get slapped Mm -hmm. around by the devil. And Romans 8, 1, there is therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Therefore, being justified by faith in Romans 5, 1, we have peace with God. 
through our Lord Jesus Christ. So if you guys go back and read some of my books, you know we talk about guilt in two ways. One is conviction. That's the good guilt. It comes from God. It's always looking forward. It's always looking at the present <clears throat> or looking forward, excuse me. It always brings us in a better place. It always leads us down the right road. It's always from God. But if anything's guilt that's bringing you backwards, my friends, that's sin that's already been hidden as far as the east is from the west. That sin, if you repented of it, Christ has taken that from you. If you've accepted yeah. Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and repented of your sins, that sin is as far as the East is from the West. And I mean, what say you, Stephanie? So many suffer from guilt. And we, we just want you to know today, you don't have to. Yeah, that's right. And understanding that guilt from God, the idea of conviction of sin, when God does that work in our hearts and our lives, there is a resolution that's possible um, because of Jesus Christ shedding his blood and taking the penalty for our sin on himself. And then understanding that at that point, you're forgiven, you're freed. And I'm, Emmy came in to say hi to me a minute. So um, I have a visitor. And so, uh, so folks, we, we changed up our recording thing a little bit. And uh, actually, Stephanie's doing some recording up in her bedroom. So uh, I think Princess Emmy, there's a, a few a couple princesses in that house. So there's Emmy and Steffi. So Emmy just came by to say hi to Mommy. And... Um, and so say hi. Sorry Emma. about that. Okay. Crisis averted. She needed, yeah, she needed help. So I sent her to get one of her brothers. It's the joy of kids being on spring break. There you so, go. There you go. Um, but anyways, what I was saying was when you have that, that freedom that you experience from that conviction of sin, you know, you've, you've, you've been forgiven. Then when we get slammed, you know, we have, there, there is an enemy of our souls, Satan, who will constantly try to abuse us. Okay. And that's what it is. He accuses us. He's the accuser, accuser of the brethren and he accuses us. He condemns us. Yeah. And when we deal with that survivor's guilt, I, I, I know dealing with that, um, there are still times when that'll slap me around. Yeah, um, but you know, when we face that, the would haves, the should haves, the could haves, the why wasn't it me things. And, um, you know, when there's no explanation why you're the one who lived and yeah. the person that you was blown up, you can't, there is no way to humanly explain those things. And so Satan will try to use those scenarios to destroy us. If he can't take our souls to hell, he will try to make us either drive us to suicide. I think that's honestly one of the biggest things that drives someone to suicide is that is that condemnation kind of guilt. Sure. And so um, understanding that that is not from God and understanding that we have a Savior who is the problem solver. He is the chain breaker. He is not the one who puts those chains of hopelessness on us and chains yeah. of of condemnation and the fact that it's your fault when it wasn't your fault at all. And so, um, giving that to the Lord and understanding that he is hope that that guilt is hopeless. So the opposite of that is looking unto Jesus because he is our hope. Yeah. And I, and I think that's all exactly where we need to end this thing at, but to understand, you know, so guilt comes from a couple areas In Stephanie's case, it came from, you know, my husband and I went out that day. I should have stopped it. You know, all those thoughts that come, what could I have done to make sure that Charles didn't die? Maybe I died in his place. And folks, those resonate in our mind. We see that with people with relationships and in friendships and so many people stop beating yourself up. God has given you everything you need to get through it. If you keep on thinking backwards, 
language, you're not dealing with God, you're dealing with uh, the devil. So remember, when you repent of something, God takes that sin and puts it as far as the east is from the west. And in many times, Stephanie, I meet people, I coach people who are dealing with guilt on something they didn't even do. I mean, there's no, you didn't do anything wrong for your husband to get shot. You were just a passenger in the car. How many people have we met whose friendships and marriages and these terrible things have come, and these people didn't do anything but put up with a narcissistic fool? Or, uh, I mean, so friends, let me tell you this. Cast down imaginations. Uh, trust in God. Uh, repent of anything that you may have done. Repent of these things that are on your heart, and God will take that guilt from you. And we're moving on to Proverbs 15. 14 is the verse we're going to get started with this morning. It says, The heart of him that have understanding seeketh knowledge, but the mouth of fools feedeth on foolishness. And so, and, and here we go again. This is that kind of thing talking about the scorner, the scoffer, the knucklehead. Uh, they, they, you know, again, they're, they're avoiding correction, they're avoiding reproof, they're avoiding getting better. Uh, and, uh, you know, it just keeps going. And, uh, uh, but the heart, I, I want to go back to get the heart of him that have understanding, seek of knowledge. The scorner does not seek of knowledge, does not seek mm-hmm. of understanding. He's the fool. He's folly. And then the mouth of fools, uh, I think about the mouth of fools. So it's almost like the normal course of humanity, in my opinion, is this wise, become wiser and the fools feed on or become more foolishness. It seems Mm -hmm. like somehow, Stephanie, there's no middle ground, but as a Christian, you can hop right in and be that person, um, you know, that seeks knowledge. You don't have to be that person that feeds on foolishness. Um, you know, let the fools feed on foolishness. We don't have to buy into that. We, uh, we don't have to be, you know, that type of person, we don't have to be the mouth that feedeth on the foolishness. And in other words, just don't get caught up with it. Move along, move out. What say you? Yeah. Well, and understanding, um, I think it's very interesting that it says the heart of him. And I know we've discussed this in past verses, but the idea that our heart is the root of who we are, Yeah, it is, it is. And, and, you know, they found this even with heart transplants where there is, there is, scientific even phenomena that they can't explain that is involved with a heart. Mm -hmm. Um, Even, you know, when you're dealing with some person, you know, when they do those heart transplants, like any organ transplant, there's something unique that happens. There are, there are phenomena that happen with heart transplants that don't happen with other transplants because God made the heart such an incredible and it's an incredible organ because it not only affects us physically, obviously, okay, everybody knows that, but there is emotional, there is mental, there is spiritual things involved with our heart. It's all intertwined. And so I don't think it's an accident that the word heart is used here because what it's saying to me is a wise man will have a wise heart. There it is. It will literally affect, I think it can affect you even physically when you choose to be a wise person, but then to understand that the mouth of fools, it's like their heart is so far gone, their mouth. And I've, I've talked about this. It's almost like the, the idea of a gutter and it feeds on foolishness. It's almost this idea of the mouth. They just take in yeah. time. 
sins. They just take in garbage. They are literally like the sewer drain. And I know that is such a disgusting image, but that's what I get here. Yeah, is the idea that they that junk. Yeah. Yeah, they feed like like sewer rats on trash and garbage and to them that they love it. And that so we have this massive you it's a day night kind of contrast as far as what God is trying to tell us here in this verse. Yeah, I agree. And, and that's what it comes down to be wise, you know, uh, and, and don't, you know, don't, don't be a mouth to foolishness. Don't pass it on. Don't take it on. Don't listen in. Don't let that stuff come through. Stephanie, uh, gave us a, really a strong example, uh, but one we should pay attention to. It's, it's taken in sewer sewerage. Look at verse number 15. It says all the days of the afflicted are evil, but he that is of a merry heart have a continual feast and Every meal's a feast. You've heard people say that before. Uh, but all the days, think about that. You know, they're evil. And uh, uh, to live in days of affliction. So we're looking at that verse, and it says, all the days of afflicted are evil. So when, we're, when we have not accepted Jesus Christ, when we're afflicted with, you know, anything can come into an unprotective heart. Uh, a person with an unprotective heart will believe anything. So short of knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, short of having the Holy Spirit of God indwell within you, um, man, some evil stuff can from this fallen world and the trouble that goes with that, and you're just caught up with it, and it's just over. I think of the maniac of Gadara, you know, and mm. so often I think, you know, this probably could have, you know, uh, could have been easily stopped in his life. It could have been, not probably, mm. by accepting Jesus Christ. But when he did accept Jesus Christ, it all stopped. Uh, but those, you know, have satisfaction in Christ, who have satisfaction in God. Oh man, it's a continuous feast. Every meal's a feast. Every day's a vacation. Mm. Every meal's a feast. You've heard the expression, but I think I've known people like this, Stephanie. You know that that have made the choice that you know no, no matter what so state I am. How does that say that I've found? Uh, I will. Um, I've learned to be content in whatever. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, whatever state I am, there with me content. In yeah, Philippians, and I think that's I think that's what we're talking of here. I I think you know I want to have a continual feast. I want to be that guy who believes in God's plan, who pours God into me when I wake up in the morning. That's part of what I do. You know, my Bible listening and reading, my uh, my devotion time. You know, it, it that needs to pour into me. I need to have uh, a good hour of Bible and stuff poured into me to be the right guy. And, uh, mm. and, and then life can be a continual feast. I mean, what say you there, Stephanie? Yeah, I agree. Understanding that, um, that God gives good things to his children. He does. You know, I think we, um, my dad was preaching yesterday on the whole concept of, you know, that God does care. He does see our tears and he was talking about Hezekiah, um, and, and the fact that, you know, that he was told he was going to die. And how he sought the Lord and how God sent that immediate answer for Isaiah to go back in and tell him, God's heard you. He's seen your tears. He's heard your prayers and he's given you 15 more years. And to understand that, to use Hezekiah as an example, there's that idea where God, God saw his heart for him um, and he cared about that. And I think there's another huge piece to this puzzle here that it, it says um, a merry heart is listed here specifically. And so I get the idea of the fact that from a physical perspective, if you choose to live in a state 
and I say choose because yes, there are people that, that have, you know, when your adrenal shut down, it sends you to places you really have no choice of where you're going. Okay. It's a battle because you're physically ill. But I think the, one of the ideas I get here is a merry heart is something you may have to choose to have, um, in the sense of wherever you are in life, because if you don't choose to have a merry heart, if you choose to live in depression, it will kill you, the stress, the strain. And so I get the idea here that God's promising, if you will choose to have joy in me, if you will choose to look to me for your strength, I'll provide for you. I'll meet your needs. I'll give you the rest for your soul. If you choose to stay afflicted, more bad things are going to happen to you. If you make in and, and so, and I think this verse could mean a lot of things, but from where I sit, the idea of when you choose to make the joy, your make the joy of the Lord, your strength, he'll give you a feast in the sense of he'll flood your heart and your soul with peace, with joy, with fulfillment. And that I, there are physical things. Okay. So I have, I want to be very careful. I know there are physical things. Right that take us to the bottom. I've been there. So I'm not saying if you're afflicted with a physical ailment, you can just choose and there's some magic wand that takes that all away. Okay. That's not what I'm saying. But the idea of when we have that choice, when it is something we can, we can choose to stop being afflicted. There are people that like to live in depression, believe it or not. I have worked with ladies who enjoy being there. And so making that choice, no, I'm not going to live here anymore. I'm going to make the joy of the Lord my strength by his grace. I'm going to have a merry heart because my God is still God and he is still faithful. And you'll see God restore your soul. I think of Psalm 23, he'll prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. He He can do miraculous things when we'll choose to make his joy or strength. There it is. I, I agree a hundred percent. So, and this is another one of those items that you can be saved. And it, it, like I said at the beginning, it gives you everything you need to have a merry heart and to get through these afflictions, but we can still, the devil's still up to take our joy and, you know, being merry is being joyful. It's being happy. It's, it's being lively. I mean, there's so many words I remember from fifth grade uh, spelling, but, uh, Mary's a pretty good thing. And, uh, uh, and so that's a place we want to be. And I think we want to go ahead and squeeze in Stephanie verse number 16 here. It says better is little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and troubleth therein. So, you know, here's this expression, especially in a materialistic world, we live mm-hmm. in. you know, uh, little is much when God is in it. Remember that old hymn? Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and what it's saying here, you know, I'd rather have a little and be serving God. I'd rather have a little and and uh, and, and be in that place, uh, you know, that I get to be better. You know, better is little in the fear of the Lord than great treasure uh, trouble therewith. And think about that treasure and trouble therewith. And so I'll take that little. And I'll have the fear of the Lord. Now, the fear of the Lord is not walking around scared. It's the complete opposite of that. It's knowing exactly who God is, what he does in your life. And, uh, you know, it makes us more godly to have the fear of the Lord. But then we go to this other materialistic, freaky type of people. And we've all been there. 
uh, you know, we're, we're great treasure, you know, all that's all we're cared with. Trouble doesn't matter. Nothing matters. We just want great treasure. We just want to make more money off of people. We want to mock people. We want to, that's no way to serve God. That's no way to live. And that's not what God has for us. And uh, then great treasure in trouble thereof. I'd rather have a little and trust mm-hmm. God, have the fear of God, trusting him, ultimately stepping out and saying, man, God, uh, I need you. I'd rather yeah. have that. Uh, then there's great treasure and all the trouble that comes with it yeah. while I'm out there. Not that people with treasure are necessarily bad, but some people who they spend their whole life seeking great treasure, Stephanie. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree 100%. And I've talked to, to my kids um, this verse and then the one that's our next verse that's coming up here, verse 17. The idea that our life isn't about stuff. And God taught us, our family, that, okay, he taught it to us in little baby steps. Um, And not that, I mean, I was very thankful that um, the man I was married to for the first, well, almost 14 years, um, you know, he had, he had, we had bought a fixer upper, we had made it nice. But I remember him saying over and over and over again, I don't want to get stuck here. I don't want to put all of my eggs in this basket, so to speak, because yeah. he knew that that wasn't what life was all about. And so then, you know, obviously we went through the whole purging, which was, all, you know, I love purging. I'm now it's like the more I can get rid of the happier I am. And with eight kids, that's, that's complicated, you know, because it's not just my stuff anymore. <laughs> now there's eight other people's stuff, but the idea that God, I'm so thankful God took us through those baby steps of purging and then deciding, okay, what are we keeping? What are we getting rid of as we went to Cameroon? And then in some way it was like, God took it all away. Yeah. And you know what? I will never, ever, ever regret losing all that we lost. And that may sound really weird, but I God taught me a level of just it's okay to have nothing that I can never explain um, because life was so simple and the focus wasn't on the stuff anymore. And I'm not saying I'm not extremely grateful for the way the Lord provided for us through brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, but I'm just saying God taught us a very valuable lesson Yeah, and that I never want to forget because I know there are Christians out there who live Okay, they're not wealthy because God's showering goodness on them. And they're not, it's ironic to me that the people that are described in the second part of this verse that have the great treasure and trouble, they're not the wealthy people who are giving and giving and giving and giving to missions or to whatever. I know Christians like that who God has just showered his blessing on financially. They don't have the trouble. Okay, so I don't think this verse is saying that being wealthy means you're going to have trouble. Yeah. Okay. I don't think what so I either. think this verse is saying is when that's your when that is where you have laid up your that's treasure. where you've laid up your joy. Yeah. That's where you've laid up it's it's all superficial and I know people like that, okay? Like very very up close and personal. I've known people yeah. that that's what they're living for is for their money in the bank, for their prestige. Cuz that treasure doesn't have to be monetary. It can be your image. It can be <laughs> this pseudo, this pseudo personality where you want people to think you're this one person when in reality, you're someone completely different. And if that's where you've laid up all of your treasure, 
you're going to experience incredible trouble because that's bondage. That's not who Jesus Christ is. And so, yeah, it should make us all think through where our treasures, you know, Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So wherever you're choosing to lay up your treasure, your heart is going to be merry or it's going to be afflicted. Your heart is going to have freedom to follow Jesus Christ, or it's going to be in bondage to stuff or to Aiken kind of scenarios where maybe you've sold your soul for a bowl of pottage as Esau did. And if you've, if you find your place yourself in that place and you know, you're in that kind of trouble that this verse talks about, you better re-examine your whole life because you're only given one life. You're only given one chance to do this the way God wants you to. There it is. Hey, folks, you heard it here. And I think it's so important that as we close out this verse, is uh, better is little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure. Remember that today. Has God given you enough? Do you have food on your table? Is there food in the refrigerator? Is there a roof over your head? Are your loved ones near you? Are you getting by? As your stuff not being repossessed, then we got it pretty good. Uh, we're mm-hmm. better than three quarters of the world. We started off talking, uh, we put guilt out there, and I, I started off with that verse, First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all his unrighteousness. I want to close thinking about that guilt theme again. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It's about fleeing from him, folks. It's about resisting him. Let that stuff go aside today. Put your mind, put your actions. Put everything toward the Lord. Hey, we love you folks. Looking forward to talking to you again tomorrow. May God bless you. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. It is very important to all of us at Help for Wounded Spirits that you know your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Bible is very clear with a simple salvation message. You can know today. First, you're a sinner, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second, there's a price on sin, for the wages of sin is death. Third, Jesus paid that price for you, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Lastly, you must speak it with your mouth and believe it with your heart, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made known unto salvation. Simply ask the Lord to save you in Jesus' name while believing in your heart, and he will. Please contact us if we can help you in any way. God bless you. Doug and Stephanie, thank you for listening today. We hope this podcast has been a blessing in your life. For helpful resources, more information, or to donate to help this vital ministry, visit us at WoundedSpirits.com.